when I've offered the teachings over the past year, I mean, I've offered various teachings, uh, generally speaking, I mean, I've offered the teachings of the Buddha, and generally speaking, have tried to focus the teachings on what we've all been going through, uh, the difficulties, the challenging, the suffering of, of this time uh, in our lives and in the world. Uh, there's really two things that I've been focusing on the most, you know, and again, uh, there's a lot of different teachings that we've been given, but when I think about these teachings that I've given, I think about uh, a couple of things uh, that I've focused on. Uh, one is uh, being aware of what's arising for us in terms of the different emotions. Uh, so early on, you know, I, I conjured up that acronym ABC, you know, as a way of offering a way a simply, in a simple way, to be aware of what's arising for us. So if it's fear or anxiety, uh, the feelings that are coming up for us, we need to bring awareness to them. So that's A, bring awareness. The breath is our ground and then compassion for ourselves. So uh, I know over the past uh, few weeks, uh, uh, feelings of uncertainty, you know, what's going to happen in the world, what's going to happen in my life. Uh, uh, you know, even today I'm going to uh, visit my sister and my brother-in-law, you know, and it's really the first thing I've done in months and months and months and months in terms of interacting with other human beings in the flesh, you know, and because, you know, like last night it just came up for me, this like, what's going to happen? You know, you know, and this feeling of uncertainty and anxiety about that. So just bringing awareness to that. So this bringing awareness to what we're experiencing, the different feelings that we're having, whatever they are, you know, if it's uncertainty, if it's disappointment, if it's anger, if it's fear, whatever it is, is such an important part of our practice. So that's one thing that I've really focused on over the last year. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, this, this is what the Buddha focused on, uh, you know, looking at our suffering and looking at the end of suffering. Uh, these are the two things that the Buddha said that we need to pay attention to. Uh, so to abandon our suffering and cultivate true happiness, cultivate the happiness of heart. So this is the other piece that I've really tried to work with over the last year in this group and in teaching is that uh, is uh, the skill that we develop in cultivating happiness, that uh, uh, we need to look at our pain and our suffering, and at the same time, we also need to cultivate the happiness of heart. Uh, uh, so uh, I like this term, cultivating happiness, you know. I mean, happiness has to be cultivated, just like the, the gardens in spring, this neighborhood that I'm living in now, there's lots of gardens in the front of the yards and in the back of the yards. Uh, people are just really working in the gardens and cultivating the garden. Uh, and, uh, and this is what we do with our, our, our hearts, we cultivate the heart. So uh, what we learn to do in our practice is to is to recognize our pain and our suffering and we learn to incline to to happiness to true happiness uh, you know and this is something that we we can do both you know how many times have i said over the years we that we, we there's room for both 
there's room for both. Uh, there's room for looking at our pain and there's room for uh, cultivating true happiness. Uh, I mean, the meditation is really what, you know, that, that's so elemental to everything that we're doing because that really allows us to create space and room so there can be both. There can be both. I mean, we talked about this even last year, last week, in terms of uh, you know, chili, the dialogue that Chile and I had about even if you just look at the body, there's room for both. There could be anger here, or fear here, or uncertainty here, and there's the heart. You know, so there's room for both. But when we develop our meditation and develop concentration, we create the space. So there's room for both. So in our practice, we learn to inclined to happiness. And this is one of the things that I've tried to teach over the last year and to encourage you to do is to incline to true happiness, to pay attention to what's arising in terms of what's painful, but at the same time, incline to true happiness. So uh, this, is, this is something that we learn to do. Uh, this is something that the Buddha asks us to do. This is something that we can do, and we do it in all circumstances. So even in the middle of a pandemic, we can incline to happiness, cultivate happiness, and know happiness. Yeah, this is, our, this is our, our great challenge, really, in many ways. Uh, all right, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. Is happiness there? Can I find happiness? Can I find true happiness? What is true happiness? Uh, so even in the middle of a pandemic, uh, so it's, it's, it's a little bit different than tending the garden. I mean, I guess, you know, there's things that you can do in the garden in the middle of winter. Uh, but, you know, the garden of the heart, you know, is open all seasons. You know, we can cultivate that heart, this heart, uh, you know, our heart in the middle of our deepest winter. You know, what did Camus say in the middle of uh, the darkest winter? I found an invisible, uh, I, found, I found summer, you know, in the middle of the darkest winter. Uh, so, uh, you know, we learn to uh, cultivate happiness and know true happiness and incline to happiness even in the middle of a pandemic, even when there's sickness, aging, death, separation, because this is life, you know, this is life. Life is always going to have these difficulties and challenges. Uh, we don't wait, you know, you know, and I've talked about this often uh, during the last year. You know, we don't wait until the pandemic is over so that we can be happy, you know? You know, we don't wait until circumstances are just right in our lives so that we can be happy, you know? You know, uh, today, as the Buddha said, today, tomorrow, who knows? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We may not be here. We may not be here. Today, this moment, is the moment when we seek to know happiness. I always say it's it's... Uh, one of the, it's one of the great paradoxes of you know spiritual life, if you will, uh, that you know what we're, we're asked to do is make this extraordinary effort, this determined effort over a period of time to develop skills, so that we can know happiness, a greater happiness in our lives, and it takes months and years and decades, you know, and at the same time we're asked to find happiness in the moment that we're in. You know, so that's our, you know, that's our little our vipassana. Theravada koan, you know? Can we make this enduring effort over days, weeks, months, years, as many of you have, and at the same time, can we find true happiness in the moment that we're in? We don't wait. The Buddha didn't uh, 
really describe what true happiness is so much. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that, uh, but it's really up for us, up to us to come to know what that is. Uh, but he did, he did give some signposts. Uh, and one of the things that he tells us is that happiness is there in any moment, at any time, that it's always there. The term that I, I've always loved, one that Ajahn Mun, who was sort of the grandfather figure in our tradition, used to use a lot, is akaliko. You know, it's a Pali word that means the ever-present truth. You know, happiness is part of the ever-present truth. It's akaliko. It's always there in any moment, regardless of the circumstances. You know, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whether there's sickness, aging, death, separation, pandemic. So the Buddha's happiness is... Uh, uh, is always there, and it's, it's, it's what we call a true happiness. It's a true happiness. So it's, it's not conditioned, right? It's not conditioned. It's not conditioned by things being a certain way. It's an unconditioned happiness. It's true, it's reliable. Uh, conditions don't have to be a certain way for us to know that happiness. It's a happiness that's always there for us, true happiness. doesn't change, doesn't change. It's like a tr friend who's true, you know, a friend who's true is always there for us and doesn't change, regardless of what the circumstances are. You know, a true friend doesn't like us, you know, when or, or be there for us when things are good and only going the way, that, the way that they like it to be. You know, a true friend is always there. Well, that's this happiness. It's always there. It's true. It's not dependent on conditions. It's always available to us in any circumstance. So our job is to cultivate true happiness, you know, uh, to cultivate this happiness, this true happiness, you know. Again, that for me, that's a, that you know, during this pandemic, you know, it's been it's been, uh, you know, it's been a good challenge, if you will, you know. Okay, I'm in the middle of this pandemic. Is true happiness still there? You know, is it there? Is it there? Is all of this is going on? There's all this pain in the world and in myself, but is happiness still there? Is happiness still there? I mean, that's the question the Dharma student asks. Is happiness still there? It's kind of like, uh, you know, all right, I'm going through all this stuff that's difficult. Is that friend still there for me? Is true happiness still there? So that's, those are the kinds of questions that we ask. So the encouragement, of course, over the last year and you know, the last many years that I've taught is to, is to look for true happiness. I mean, you know, one of the things that's often said, and I've often said it, is uh, you know, the problem isn't that there isn't true happiness uh, and that it's not available to us. The problem is that we're not looking for it. The problem is we're not looking for it. You know. So our job is, is, to, is to practice looking for it and turning to it. And of course, again, the skills that we're creating in meditation are putting us in position so that we can know it. You know? Uh, our job is to look for it, you know, to look toward it. We also need to kind of know what we're looking for. You know? 
we need to know what we're looking for so that we can identify it when it's there. So, uh, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, you have to learn to uh, reflect on and, uh, and, 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 and learn to uh, learn to incline yourself to in a way so that you can understand what it is that you're looking for, if that makes sense. So a simple way of putting that is, you know, it's really up to all of us to, to ask what is true happiness. What is true happiness? So this is a question, you know, that a Dharma student learns to ask. It's an ongoing reflection. It's an ongoing reflection. So it's not so much that the Buddha said, this is what it is, you know, and I'm going to go look for it. It really is up to you to ask, well, what is it? To begin to reflect on that, and then based on your reflection, to look for it based on your reflection, to look for it. What is true happiness? Yeah. I mean, the Buddhist question was, what is true happiness? Or really, it was, is there a true happiness? You know? I mean, what he found was that there was. You know? Uh, uh, and, you know and then you can kind of almost say, okay, well, let's just leave it there. And then he told us how to find it, what we needed to do to find it, but we have to find it. So part of that is asking, well, what is it, you know? I mean, he asked first and foremost, well, is there a true happiness? And it, I want to see if I can find it. And then he made this effort to find it. I mean, he lived in the world, of course, as a prince and had all the different sense experiences and pleasures and pleasures of the world, uh, but came at the age of 29 to realize that he would die and that there was such a thing as sickness and aging and separation and uh, that the happiness that he had as a prince was a very limited happiness, the happiness of the world. And, uh, and you know, he, he felt like he could do better as a human being and wanted to find out if he could in terms of finding a greater happiness. So he, he was determined, you know, is there a greater happiness? Is there a true happiness? He was guided by this question. You know, that was the question that guided him. Is there a true happiness? What is true happiness? This question guided him, you know, for the years, and it was years of practice and looking until he found it. It just didn't happen like that. I mean, he went through such ordeals and so much trial and error, but he was determined, you know? And in that determination, he was guided by that question. Is there a true happiness? What is true happiness? Now, again, the first part of the question he sort of asked for us, to some extent you have to base it on faith, uh, but, you know, this is the question that guides us and where our path begins. You know, is there a greater happiness? You know, I was 34, 35, and started to ask that question. Look at how I'm living my life, you know. Uh, you know, I worked in a corporation, I was married and divorced, I went through all these experiences, but wasn't very happy, you know, and said, you know, okay, at this point in my life, I tried all that, you know, uh, made money, spent money, lost it all, you know, uh, went through all the different, uh, you know, pleasures of the world, and, you know, uh, still unhappy person, very unhappy. And so begin to ask, is there a greater happiness? What is it? What is it? What is it? 
That's the beginning. That's where the path begins. As I said, the Buddha rarely described true happiness, you know, uh, partly because it's something that can't be described. It's something that you know in the heart. You know it in the heart. Uh, it's like trying to describe music, you know. I mean, describe a, describe a Beethoven concerto to me. Des describe Beethoven's fourth piano concerto to me. Anybody want to take a stab at it? You know? Any of you mu music critics out there? You know? You know, describe, uh, you know, the Beatles. You know, I want to hold your hand. 1963. Describe that to me. You know? I can't describe that. You know, it transcends, uh, you know, the intellectual mind's ability to grasp and truly understand. These are things that we know in the heart. So the Buddha really tried to, he really tried to uh, refrain from describing what true happiness was. But I think mostly he, you know, he knew that if he described it and gave us too clear a description of it, we'd stop asking what it was, you know, because we would read in a book what it was and we would stop asking. And the thing is, it is if you stop asking, you stop looking. You know, the asking leads to looking, you know. The asking is what leads you to looking. The practice is proactive. You ask the questions and then you look. Is there true happiness? What is true happiness? Can I find true happiness in the middle of a pandemic? Can I find true happiness when I'm sick and when I'm dying? You know? Can I find true happiness in this moment? What is true happiness in this moment? So sort of the asking, I like to say, you know, this is why we ask questions, you know, asking questions. The Buddha said this was the mark of wisdom. Somebody with wisdom is somebody who asks questions, who asks questions. The wise person is the person who asks, what is true happiness? Where is it? Can I find it in this moment right now? Uh, not the wise person isn't the person who, who reads a bunch of things in books, you know, and gets 20 books on, on this is what happiness is and then can spew that to you. you know, the wise person is the person who asks and looks. And you know, the questions sort of frame our looking, you know? You know, I always talk about this, how questions frame our looking. You know, what is true happiness? Is it here now? How can I know it? I mean, part of the question is, how can I know true happiness going forward? What can I do today that's going to be for my long-term happiness? But we also ask, how can I know it right now, in this moment, today? In this moment, today? So this is our, this is our objective. You know, our objective and our path, the path of the Dharma, is, is true happiness. It's the purpose that informs what we do and the actions that we take. I mean, if you think about why do you practice the Dharma, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we practice the Dharma uh, out of love for ourselves, right? We practice the Dharma out of metta for ourselves. Well, what's metta? Metta is the wish that we have to be happy. We practice the Dharma out of metta and love for ourselves. You know, it's the two things, right? Out of compassion, the wish to be free from suffering. That's why we pay attention to those emotions. And we practice the Dharma out of love for ourselves because we have a wish to be happy. Well, what does that mean? That leads us to, well, what is happiness? What is happiness? The more that we are able to ask that question and know what happiness is, that guides us along the path. You know, that sort of informs what we do. It's the governing principle. Is what I'm doing right now leading me to true happiness? 
What can I do in this moment that's going to lead me to true happiness, that's going to bring about being able to know true happiness, you know? So ultimately, this informs all the decisions that we make and all that we do during the course of our days. You know, that's real determination along the path is that we act in support of true happiness. You know, that's what keeps us with the breath. You know, at a certain point in my practice, I realized, you know, that ultimately what was going to keep my attention on the breath when I was meditating is is my desire to know true happiness, the wish that I had in the heart to know true happiness. That's why we always set the intention during the meditation and we remind ourselves, you know, during the meditation about our intention that I'm doing this so that I can know true happiness because that's going to keep you on the breath. The thought arises, oh, what am I going to do on the 4th of July, you know? The president says we can go to barbecues, you know? Or, you know, should I go to a barbecue, you know? So that seems like, so... I'm going to stay with the breath out of loving kindness for myself. You know, all these other things seem so important. I'm going to stay with the breath because I have a wish to know true happiness. Or even when those thoughts arise, we ask, is it useful? You know, what does that mean? Are these thoughts leading me to true happiness or, or not? You know? you know, that's ultimately what's going to enable you to refrain from the thinking. When you remind yourself and you understand and you know that staying with the breath is the way to true happiness. Up until then, it's it's just, I'm going to stay with the breath because Dubin had said to, and the Buddha said to, and, you know, I felt a little bit of calmness, and that's great, you know. But when your intention is pure, when you know that staying with the breath is going to lead you to true happiness, nothing's going to get you off that breath, you know. But what that means is that we have to start inclining to true happiness. And really, it all begins with just asking the question, because you already know in your heart what it is, you know. The Buddha didn't want to tell you what it was. He wanted you to, to know it in your own heart. You know, So begin by asking that question. Is there true happiness in this moment? I mean, if you do that today and touch into a finger snap, you know, and it's those finger snaps as we've been talking about, right? What have I been talking about? Knowing loving kindness and peace and happiness for a finger snap, right? Then you begin to know what it is, right? Now I begin to know what it is. Today you can know it right now in this moment. It's right there. So you begin to ask and incline to it, and now you have a governing principle. Okay, that's what this is about. That's what I'm going to incline to. That's what I'm going to know in this life. But it begins with asking and pointing ourselves in the right direction. The other thing about what we're talking about is there's a great joy in doing this, you know. There's a great joy in making the effort and having a sense of purpose. You know, the practice is joyful. You know, sometimes it's a struggle, you know, but it's joyful being on the path. It's joyful being on a path that leads to true happiness, you know. It gives our lives meaning. It's a good use of our time in this life. You know, how am I spending my time? The days and nights are, asking pen, are passing endlessly. I'm spending my time in an effort to know a greater happiness. You know? And of course, part of that is being able to uh, be in the world and to, and to express ourselves and our goodness in the world. Uh, this is good use of our time. 
You know, this is a good use of our time. It's joyful to be on the path. It's difficult. It's challenging. I have a wish to know true happiness. You know, and you know, maybe we'll know. You know, I mean, you know, the Buddha didn't know if he would get there, but you know, it's like he put all that effort in. But it was a joyful effort. You know, it was a, it was a good it was a good use of his time. This is a good use of our time in this life, regardless of of where we get. You know, in our attainment, it's a good use of our time, and it's joyful when we make this effort. And this effort all begins with asking these questions. You know, what is true happiness? You know, is happiness here right now in this moment? What can I do right now so that I can know this happiness of heart? So let's just close our eyes just for a second.